Hey, how's everyone doing? Everyone doing good? Is this on? Okay, good. Great. Hey, um, if, if you're new here, uh, I'm Pastor Mark. And uh, if you have never met me, after the service, come meet me. I can't guarantee that I'll remember your name, but in fact, I think for the first six months of Thomas and Sarah Holt (laughs) being here, uh, I introduce myself every week to them. So anyway, so I I no guarantee, but you know, I I see a lot of new faces. So let me, um, let me tell you what we're doing as a church here. We are reading through the book of Psalms. Actually, we're For five years, we're reading through the Bible together as a church. So six days a week, we read particular scriptures together. I mean, not together. We don't come together to read, but we have books or we have PDFs or we have bookmarks. And we tell you what we're reading on that particular day. And so this week, (laughs) we're doing Psalms and we're not doing one through 150. We're doing different songs, psalms of different, um, I don't know, groupings, right? This week, um, we're doing imprecatory. How many before this week knew what imprecatory meant? Okay, all six of you. Good job. Okay. Um, an imprecatory psalm is when you sing a song or pray to God asking for the demise of another person or another country or so these are these are a little tough these are a little tough to read and to get through but the title of my sermon today is what to do when you are maligned or persecuted now um, I deal with Jose Luis a lot and sometimes I will say a word and he'll go what is that word we played softball and I said that um, I was perturbed and he was like, what? And I had to explain to him. So, not many people use the word malign. So let me tell you what malign means. It means spoken about in an injurious way. Harshly or unfairly criticized. So when I say, what, what should you do as a believer in Jesus Christ when you are maligned? I also added Persecuted. Persecuted, the actual definition is to harass or punish in a manner designed to injure, grieve, or afflict, specifically to cause to suffer because of belief. Okay, so today's sermon is about what to do when this happens to you. So let me throw a couple of New, T- New Testament verses to you to get you prepared, okay? So the first one is Matthew Chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. This is Jesus speaking. He said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, and for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In John chapter 15, verse 20, Jesus is speaking again. He says, Remember when I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will persecute you. 
also. And if they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Now, if you look at you, your average day here in America or somewhere in Western culture, there's really not a lot of persecution or malignment going on in your life. But I'm seeing some signs, and I, I think it's coming. I'm seeing a lot of stuff um, out there that to be a Christian is going to be more and more of a challenge uh, while we're alive right here. I, I think it's, it's coming. We've been talking about this, and we're, we're seeing that in, in the media and in government, and um, I think it's only going to get worse. So, today I think this will be a very practical sermon, what to do when you are maligned and persecuted. And I'm going to use the verses, the scriptures that we read this week, these imprecatory psalms. And just so you know, if you don't have a book or if you don't have your stuff, we read six psalms this week. And they are Psalm 35, Psalm 69... Psalm 83, Psalm 109, 137, and 140. Now, we happen to know five of the six authors of these psalms. Four of these psalms are from David. We know David was the very prolific in his writing of psalms. And then we have Asaph, who is not as prolific, but he's pretty prolific. And I have done a couple of Asaph psalms previously. Okay, and so and then we have one Psalm 137, which is we don't know who wrote it. Okay, so um, we will start with um, Psalm 35. Just take take a, a, a few verses here from Psalm 35 because I think this is a perfect example of an impregatory psalm. So here we go. Psalm 35, verses 1 through 6. This is of David. Contend, Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take up shield and armor. Arise and come to my aid. Brandish spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Say to me, I am your salvation. May those who seek my life be disgraced and put to shame. May those who plot my ruin be turned back in dismay. May they be like the chaff before the wind, with the angel of the Lord driving them away. And may their path be dark and slippery, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. So now you get the gist of some of these psalms that you're doing. It's like you are praying for the demise or frustration, at the very least, for people that are contending with the people of God. David clearly sees himself as a, as a child of God, as someone who is trying to do what is right, and there are people opposing him all through his life. And um, they, he is asking for a reprieve from that. So I, I have, this is not exhaustive by any stretch of the imagination, but I've come up with eight principles that you need to remember in case you're maligned or, or persecuted. And the first one we see here in um, Psalm 35. 
when we are maligned and persecuted, we need to go to God with our complaints of unjust treatment. We need... David is just not wailing away about what's going on. He is going to God about what is happening to him. And we, and we need to go to God. I mean, we should go to God with about everything. But sometimes when we are maligned or persecuted or someone is making themselves an enemy of us, we may not go to God. We may go to a co-worker. We may go to someone else and we're just going to, Oh, oh, this guy's treating me bad or, or whatever. First person you need to go to is God. Okay, that's principle number one. Continuing on in Psalm 35, all the way down to Psalm, 32, uh, Psalm 35, 22 through 25. It says, Lord, you have seen this. Do not be silent. Do not be far from me, Lord. Awake. Rise to my defense. Contend for me. Contend for me, my God and Lord. Vindicate me in your righteousness, righteousness, Lord, my God. Do not let them gloat over me. Do not let them think, aha, just what he wanted, or say, we have swallowed him up. This goes to the second principle you need to know. The second principle is let God contend for you. Principle three let God vindicate you. So many times when people will say something untrue about us, someone who will malign us, we want to defend ourselves. And sometimes we may not defend ourselves righteously. We might bite back. We might be angry. That's untrue. You're a liar. And then, you know what? What we see through all of Scripture is that a lot of godly, holy people, when they were maligned, let God do the vindicating or contention. And um, there's a great passage in Scripture that says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. We get into trouble when we want to take on the vengeance of God. Let Him do it. In His timing, it's usually perfect. Okay, so those are the first three principles. Hey, we're moving right along. Let's go to Psalm 69. Psalm 69, starting in verse 5. You, God, know my folly. My guilt is not hidden from you. Lord, the, the Lord Almighty, may those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me, God of Israel. May those who seek you not be put to shame because of me. Now again, this is this is a psalm of David, and he is. This is actually a very prophet, uh, prophetic psalm. Um, if you've been listening to uh, Jeremy's little ten-minute uh, segments on each of the scriptures, that's by the way. If you haven't, you probably should go to YouTube, subscribe to the Heights Christian Church channel, and um, I look forward to him every day. Of course. I'm supposed to be doing some of it. I'm, I'm working on that. I'm a little bit um, technologically ignorant, as the case may be. And so my learning curve is much curvier than, than Jeremy's. And so he's been doing this. Uh, hopefully we're going to get to the point that whoever is going to be preaching that week will be doing the, the lessons. But 
Anyway. Um, and one of the things that Jeremy pointed out this week is this is a messianic psalm. And this is a, a lot of this coming from the perspective of Jesus. But this leads us to principle number four. You need to maintain your integrity and don't give God or God's people a bad name in response to your harsh treatment. And, 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 you, and you've seen this. I mean, haven't you seen this at neighbors or co-workers or something who claim to be a Christian and then they have a little problem with somebody else and then they turn into this violent, angry, curse-filled person? You're like, wait, are you a Christian? And one of the things as a pastor I worry about, I worry about a lot of things. A few things I don't worry about is death. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm not afraid of dying. I know where I'm going. I know who my Lord is. So that, that's, not, that's not, a big, it's not a big worry for me. But what is, is that my actions will give God a bad name. My actions will give heights a bad name. And, and so sometimes when I respond, I have to go <clears throat> and repent. And this part of the thing is like, God, you know my folly. My guilt is not hidden from you. Lord, may those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me. Gosh, I, I relate to that so much. And so when you are maligned, when you are persecuted, make sure that you keep your integrity, that you maintain a, an attitude where you don't give God a bad name. You know, we have a whole, a whole lot of people in this world that claim to be Christians, but they look nothing like a Christian. I hope, I don't want to be that person. I, I, I feel like sometimes I have, and I have to repent from that all the time. But when you bear the name of Christ, it comes with some responsibility. And if people know you're a Christian, you need to make sure that you are continually Giving God a good name. No pressure. But seriously. I remember talking to um, a young man once. and Let's just say he wasn't actually living um, a God-filled life. And he told me, oh, I want to I get a tattoo. And I, I want to put, put um, Jehovah on it. I'm like, so you want to have... God on, on you. He said, yeah. I said, All I got to tell you is you got to be very careful how you live your life if you're going to be identified with God because God cares about his reputation. He, he does. And so, didn't stop him from getting a tattoo. That's fine. You want to get a tattoo? Great. But just make sure that if it's representing God, you need to make sure that you are doing, doing that right. So anyway, okay. I beat that horse dead. All right, Psalm 69. We're continuing on, verse 7 through 12. For I endure scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. I am a foreigner to my own family, a stranger to my own mother's children. For zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. When I weep and fast, I must endure scorn. When I put on sackcloth, people make sport of me. And those who sit at the gate mock me, and I am the song of the drunkards. Now, part of this, 
sounds a lot like what happened to Jesus, right? But here's some principles that you need to know. When you are being maligned, when you are being persecuted, you need to endure it patiently and wait for God to move. I mean, if you're in a righteous place, I mean, if you're getting... If you're getting grief and you're getting malignment because you're being a jerk, okay, well then you're on your own. But if you're doing it for righteousness sake, if you are being maligned because you are a Christian or you are standing up for Christian principles, there, there may be times you're just going to have to endure it and wait for God's timing. And you need to be prepared to do that. Now, I'm not saying you have to be the victim, because we all, we all know people. They look a little bit like me. No, but they, they, that can be a victim of, oh, well, you know, I'm a Christian, so everybody's treating me bad. You know? What? We need to endure it. We need to be ready to stand firm. We've gone to God. We're asking Him to vindicate us. We're asking him to contend for us. But we need to be ready to endure. It doesn't happen quickly. Sometimes it goes on for years. Let's go to Psalm 83. And Psalm 83 is written by Asaph. And a couple weeks ago, I kind of went crazy on about... We know when Asaph was around and he made this prophetic thing about ex, the, the exile and... Everybody tried to get two types of Asaphs and stuff. Asaph is, is an amazing psalm author. I, I, I love it. So I'm going to read a, a very strange part of Psalm 83. Okay? And we'll get to the next principle. Psalm 83, verses 9 through 12. Due to them, this is his enemies. Due to them as you did Midian, as you did to Sisera, and Jabin in the river Kishon, who perished at Endor and became like dung on the ground. Make your nobles like Oreb and Zeb, all the princes like Zabah and Zalmunna, who said, let us take possession and the pasturelands of God. You're like, wait, what? What Asaph is doing here, talking about his enemies, he says, Make them like, and he's making, taking reference to what happened in the Torah and in the book of Judges. Where God was victorious over for his people, Israel. So these names that you see there were, were enemies of Israel. Some of them were Midianites. Um, some of them were uh, Canaanites that were in and around Israel that did horrible things and then they prayed to God and God came back and he was victorious over them so this is a a principle you need to remember when you are going through any kind of malignment if you are going through some persecution during this time you need to recount the victories where God has come through now they could be biblical victories you can look through where God has been the victor every single time. 
Okay, he's a prize fighter. He's undefeated. He's still undefeated. And so sometimes when you're overwhelmed with grief, when you're overwhelmed with what is going on, I can't believe I'm being treated this way, sometimes you need to step back and say, okay, God, you've got this. I mean, there's lots of victories biblically. I mean, the big one, Jesus. I mean, I'm pretty certain that Satan thought he'd won when Jesus was up on the cross and he said it's finished and he died. But then he came back to life. And he, one, paid the price for our sins, all of our sins. And he raised life so that we would have hope to have life again. That sounds pretty victorious to me. And so it's good to look at the Bible, look at some of these victories, and you go, you know what, God's come through. It may not look like he's winning right now, but he always wins. Another thing that helps me is I go through times in my own life where I have seen God have victory. And when, so when I get maligned again, do I just forget about these victories? One of the things we see in the Psalms, in what, not just imprecatory Psalms, but lament Psalms or Psalms of praise, the psalmist is going, I remember when you, when you kicked butt. I remember when you were going through and it didn't look like you were going to win, but you ended up winning. Sometimes we get so lost and we get so down and depressed about things. You go, you know what? We need to remember God's got this. And maybe he's using some of the stuff that we're going through to strengthen us, further us, give us wisdom that we didn't have before. Maybe some of our stuff that we're going through will bring God glory. So we need to have that mindset that we need to recount the victories. Okay? That's principle number six. Now let's go to Psalm 109. And reading verses 26 through 31. Help me, Lord my God. Save me according to your unfailing love. Let them know that it is your hand that you, Lord, have done it. While they curse, may you bless. May those who attack me be put to shame. But may your servant rejoice. May, your, may my accusers be clothed with disgrace and wrapped in shame as in a cloak. With my mouth I will greatly extol the Lord. In the great throng of worshipers I will praise him. For he stands at the right hand of the needy to save their lives from those who would condemn them. When you are going through a hard time, when you are being accused maliciously, when you have been treated badly, one of the best things that you can do during that time is to praise God. We, we've got to praise God. We've got, to, we've got to praise God for His love, and we've got to praise God for the trial that we are going through. Can I tell you, one of the biggest turnarounds in my life when I was able to honestly say you know what God thank you for this trial that I'm going through I got through a, I got to a certain age when I look back you know in hindsight's 2020 and you look at all the things that you went through and that you were rage raged to God about because you're going through a hard time and you look back and you go yeah I'm kind of glad I went through that or, 
wow, there are some real challenges there, but I, you brought me through it. You helped me. And so you can praise God for it. Let me throw you and give you a New, New Testament verse about this. James 1, 1, 2, 3, as the case may be. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, we've got one more, but I, I, want, to, I want to go on a rabbit trail for a few minutes, if that's okay. I've got two side notes. Psalm 137. This is our next psalm that we did. That's what we've been on Friday. One, the first three verses. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. And they said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. Let me just take it aside. Remember two weeks ago I went off and said, this psalm of Asaph was not written during the captivity. It was long before. It was during David's time. This was a prophetic psalm. This psalm, 137, is clearly an exilic psalm. This was a psalm written during the time of the exile for a couple of reasons. One, it's super specific about a servant group, and we don't know who the author was. So chances are, in my humble estimation, is this was actually written during the time of the exile in Babylon. I mean, because we actually have them. I mean, I thought that was interesting. Never mind. Okay, we'll, go, we'll keep going. Psalm 140. This was on Saturday. What, verses 1 through 5. For the director of music, a psalm of David. Rescue me, Lord, from evildoers. Protect me from the violent, who devise evil plans in their hearts and stir up war every day. They make their tongues as sharp as servants, serpents. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Salah. Keep me safe, Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Protect me from the violent who devise ways to trip my feet. The arrogant have hidden a, sh a snare for me. They have spread out the cords of their net and have set traps for me along my path. Salah. How many of you in your Bible or your reading have Salah on there? Okay, how many of you have it as a footnote? Okay. I'm going to take a DV because I'm not sure. Many people, what is Salah? What is that? I, I think you need to know that because um, Salah is a beautiful, thoughtful, yet mysterious word that appears in the book of Psalms and actually in Habakkuk. So um, the question is, what does Salah mean? It's been debated for centuries. But most scholars and most people mean that it's a musical term that means a pause or a reflection. It means a pause or reflection. Maybe even a musical interlude in between the actual oratory singing. That would be Salah. So what, what does it mean? Well, the short answer is nobody knows. 
But the long answer is it matters very much because it's not, it's for several reasons. First of all, the word salah is a Hebrew word that occurs 71 times in the book of Psalms and three times in the book of Habakkuk. The 71 appearances in Psalms happen within 39 of the Psalms as the word salah is often repeated within the same psalm. Just like the one we read 140 today. 31 of the 39 psalms that include the word salah are titled or have a superscription to the choir master or to the worship leader. Okay. The prophetic book of Habakkuk has, like the psalms, is a book of poetry and the third chapter is a prayer in the form of a song. It is in this musical chapter that we find the word salah. So we know it's a musical term. Let me tell you something else about salah. It is not a translation. It's a transliteration. Let me tell you the difference. Translation is a word for word. In Hebrew and English, there is a word for each one. For example, when um, in Genesis 1, God created the heaven and the earth. The word earth in Hebrew is aretz. E-R-E-T-S. Okay? Aretz. But we don't have to use God created the heaven and the aretz because we have, a, we have a word in English that means aretz. It's called earth. So we use earth. Now, there are some words in Hebrew that the English does not have a word for. And so, instead of Making up a word, we, we transliterate it using English letters for Hebrew pronunciation. So, salah is the Hebrew pronunci- pronunciation of a musical term that nobody knows what it's all about. We, we, we guess that it means a time of pause or time of reflection, but it's a transliteration. Let me give you, let me give you another transliteration. Hallelujah! Hallelujah is a transliteration of a Hebrew word. Actually, it's a group word. Hale, which means to praise. And uh, Yah, or God. So it's hallelujah. It literally means praise God. Now, the Hebrews had a problem with saying the word God without it making it. That's why we have the Lord rather than the word Yahweh, the name of God, or Jehovah. But the hallelujah, it really literally means praise the Lord. Did, did you know that? And hopefully that's something new for somebody. Some of you already knew that. And like, okay, are we done? Can we keep going? But that's what transliteration is. So, salah is a transliteration. So, we, it's because we don't know it. But anyway, The interesting thing, the ironic thing about Salah, because we don't know what it really means, and when we find it in the Bible, and we kind of want to, okay, it's in there. It causes us to pause and reflect what it means. Just like our faith, we should pause and reflect, right? Okay. And that also leads to, from, from, from what I read, principle number eight from Psalm 140 is to ask God 
for his protection. We need to ask God to protect us. Now, that doesn't mean he will protect you. But you don't have unless you ask. Sometimes he will allow bad things to happen to you. Sometimes when you ask him, he will protect you. So you need to do that. So let's go through the the eight principles very quickly here. And remember, when you are maligned, when you are given a bad reputation by somebody else, someone has lied about you, or someone is persecuting you, you need to do these things, and it will help you straight from the Scriptures. Go to God with your complaint of unjust treatment. That's principle one. Let God contend for you. Let God vindicate you. Maintain your integrity and don't give God or God's people a bad name in your response to your harsh treatment. Endure mistreatment patiently. Encourage yourself by remembering God's past victories. Praise God for his love and for the trial you're going through. And finally, ask God for protection. My friends, I firmly believe persecution is coming to us. We should not be surprised by it. Jesus said that. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. In fact, if we're not being persecuted, that might be a sign. Maybe we're not doing what we need to be doing. And there's going to come a time if when, we start, when we start speaking up for what the Word of God has to say or acting in such a way because God has said this or we say this is truth, there are going to be a lot of people that are going to say, liar! There are going to be some people that are going to say, you are doing wrong. You're crazy. You believe in that stuff? We've got to be ready to say, yeah. I do. Jesus, when he was brought before Pilate, and Jesus said, and Judas, and Pilate said, "Are you a king?" He goes, "I am." Oh, you are. You're a king. Yeah. Who, who, who are your subjects? Those that believe or trust in truth. Pilate says, "What is truth?" He had scorn for Jesus. And if people have scorn for Jesus in truth, people should have scorn for you. Be ready, be prepared, and now you've got the eight principles that keep you going. Won't you stand with me? I know sometimes reading the Psalms you go, what is this all about? I tried to make this very practical for you today. God's word continues to give you help, encouragement, and launch you into being the godly person that he wants you to be. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for who you are, what you mean to us. Father God, there are going to come some times. You have said, in this world you will have trouble. You are the answer to our troubles. You are the one who will protect us save us, vindicate us, give us the justice we desire. Maybe not now, but ultimately that will happen. And Father God, you will also use all kinds of strange, wacky, horrible 
situations with which we can live and live through to become wiser, to become more godly, to go through the dross and give you ultimately the honor that you deserve above all else. So Lord, help us. Some, of, some people right now are going through some hard times. Lord, be with them as they reach out to you. Save your people, Lord. And then there are some, Lord, that are just coasting. They may not be able to coast all their life. I pray, Lord, that you will be with them, that you will help them, that you will mature them into being the Christians that you desire. That is my prayer for this congregation and for Christians around the world. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for answering my prayers. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.